Hi everyone, I'm Barak. Hi everyone, I'm Rahul and welcome to our knowledge video about bradycardias. Um, so what we're going to, this, this video will have lots of ECGs in it, unsurprisingly. So if you're listening as a podcast, um, do tune in later uh, online to, to view the ECGs. Um, so what we'll start with, as we do with all our videos, is the definition. So bradycardia being a heart rate of less than 60 beats per minute. And there are different subtypes that are diagnosed on a 12-lead ECG or prolonged three-lead monitoring. And we won't go into extensive detail about each type, but rather we'll focus on the clinically relevant points and give ECG examples of each. So I'll hand over to you, Balric, with your, with your ECGs. Um, Great, thanks very much, Rupal. Uh, so, everyone can see this. So, we're just going to go through uh, the different uh, bradycardias. Um, just more for peace of mind, because you do want to make sure you can spot uh, different types of uh, cardiac pathologies, essentially different types of heart block. Um, so, I'm just going to go through them uh, briefly. So, this is uh, the actual title slide. Just looking at it, this looks like sinus rhythm with complete a systole here but what's important here is that there's no p waves this isn't necessarily uh av nodal disease this is actually sinus node disease um, and that brings me nicely onto the first thing so sinus node disease now one colloquial thing people sometimes say uh, you might hear some of your consultants say sinus node disease will never or rarely i suppose you never say never in medicine will rarely kill you so pacing for sinus nerve disease is done on the basis of patient's symptoms um, because it's not something that will uh, necessarily be fatal for patients, whereas uh, AV nodal disease will and can be. Um, so with sinus nerve disease, uh, the, this ECG is one of uh, a sinus pause and the duration of a pause is really important because that's what essentially gets you um, a pacemaker. So if your pause is over three seconds, remind each small square is 0.2 seconds. If your pause is over three seconds, uh, then that's an indication of pacing. Obviously with AF, because it is irregularly irregular and you get compensatory pauses, that threshold increases. So that's a nice five out of five um, piece of knowledge to know for your interview. So pacing, uh, for, pacing for pauses, uh, the threshold is increased in AF, so five second AF. Timing of the pause. Um, nocturnal pauses, um, you, overnight, naturally patients will be far more bradycardic um, relative to their daytime heart rate, and pauses are more common overnight. So asymptomatic pauses overnight aren't necessarily what we would pace for. So these are daytime uh, wake pauses that I'm talking about. And the key, as I talked, said earlier, is symptoms. Symptoms are the absolute key uh, to determining whether you pace for isolated sinus node disease. Uh, the other type of sinus node disease um, is failure to mount a fair chronotropic response, i.e. a tachycardia when one needs to, and you sometimes see that with elderly patients, um, and it's a weak indication for pacing, but we do sometimes do it. So going on to the uh, pathology, uh, the other pathologies now, so this is the level of the AV node. So first degree heart block, First degree heart block is quite simply a PR interval of over 200 milliseconds, which is five small squares. So counting from the start of the P to the start of the R. So this is isolated first degree heart block. 
because uh, you can see a PR interval here of probably about six to seven small squares. So that's 220 to 40 milliseconds. Now, Mobit's one. Hopefully, by now, most people are fairly happy looking at this, but if you're ever confused or nervous in the middle of your interview scenario, just go back to a few things. So is the, is the PR interval static or changing? If it's changing, it can only really be Mobit's one or complete hardbook. So you, by looking at the PR interval um, and, how, and how it differs, you've already got your, your diagnosis to an extent. Uh, so this is a changing PR interval. If you look here compared to here, for example, uh, so therefore this is either complete hard block or Mobis 1. And the fact that it's irregular means that this isn't complete hard block as a very quick rule of thumb. And that's where uh, I first got taught how to look at ECGs. Then afterwards you can go back and confirm, well, if this is Mobis 1, has the patient got a prolonging PR interval? So yes, prolonging, 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 dropped. And same again. Um, so this is Mobitz one with an irregular R interval because of the dropped um, QRS complexes. Mobitz one is not something we often uh, pace for in isolation unless they're incredibly uh, symptomatic. And actually, um, you know, Mobitz one is actually a physiological response. Uh, most patients will uh, wink you back, which is the other name for Mobitz one, will actually wink you back at a particular heart rate. That's the natural response of the AV node. Mobitz 2, this is pathological and we this gets you a pacemaker regardless um, of whether it's nocturnal or daytime uh, or symptoms or no symptoms because of the risk of progressing to third degree heart block. Um, so Mobitz 2, what you want to be looking at, as I said before, if you're ever worried in an interview, look at the PR interval. This patient has a static PR interval. It doesn't change at all. And here you have isolated, dropped uh, QRS complexes. So this is Mobitz 2. The other form of Mobitz 2 that you might get is 2 to 1 or 3 to 1 heart block. So you get two P waves, then a QRS. Then you might get two P waves, then a QRS. And that's just another form of Mobitz 2. Either way, if you've got a static PR interval, uh, a static PR interval and dropped uh, QRS complexes, that's Mobitz 2. Um, I.e. you don't get one after every P wave. That's maybe it's two and needs pacing. Finally, complete heart block. This will here have a changing uh, PR interval, uh, which this does. So the PR interval is definitely not static. If you look here, um, and this patient has a completely regular, uh, you can count it out at your own time, but don't have a word for it, uh, regular R interval. So this is complete heart block uh, with a fairly the other thing to talk about when you're talking about complete heart block is the nature of the escape rhythm. So this patient has a narrow, uh, narrow escape at a fair, a fair rate. Uh, so this is a rate of about 45 beats per minute, by those things, uh, with a narrow escape rhythm. So actually a relatively safe escape rhythm. So this is someone that you wouldn't necessarily need to put a temporary pacing wire, we expect to be putting a temporary pacing wire in overnight. And the patient may not necessarily, necessarily be that compromised. Uh, so when you're describing complete heart block, talk about the fact that it's complete heart block and then about the escape rhythm, its rate and how broad the QRS complex is. The narrow it is means it's coming up, coming from the escape rhythm is coming, coming from higher up in the ventricles and is using more of the uh, 
conduction system, i.e. the, the uh, right and left bundle branches. Um, so it's just a lot safer. Um, this is one just to always be aware of, uh, <laughs> both clinically and uh, in your interviews. Uh, this is AF, because there's no clear P wave activity. But importantly, you do have regular QRS complexes. So if you ever have AF with regular QRS complexes, you should be very, very concerned that this is complete heart block. Uh, this is complete heart block. <laughs> um, and that's one that often catches people out, so do be aware of that. Um, and then, well, should I just talk about the uh, bundle branch rocks as well? As well. Um, so bundle branch rock, again, hopefully not too difficult. People get very hung up on the William and Marrow. Hopefully by now you should have moved on beyond that. If it's broad and negative in V1, it's left bundle branch rock. If it's broad and positive in V1, it's right bundle branch rock. They don't necessarily have to have that rabbit ears or William and Marrow uh, thing, although some, sometimes they do. Um, so broad and negative in V1, this is left bundle branch rock. And don't forget, you do get these changes in V5, V6. So you get this, what looks like ST depression, but this is not ischemic. This is classical of left bundle branch block. So you often, as a cardiologist, will get referred patients, say, oh, they've got lateral ischemia. This isn't lateral ischemia. This is the pattern that you would get with uh, left bundle branch block, or sometimes a downsloping uh, T wave here, rather like this, but from the isoelectric line. So that's not T wave inversion. That's classical uh, left bundle, and this patient is in AF. And this is the converse, so right bundle, it's just the opposite. So it's broad and positive in, uh, uh, actually this, this, this is right bundle, but as in, because it's got a classical pattern, but it actually isn't hugely positive in V1. The reason it's a right bundle is because that is actually the, also the opposite uh, of the T wave pattern that you see in left bundle. So in left bundle, you see this uh, tube inversion on, in V5, V6, and here you see it, in V1 and V2. So this is, uh, that's another clue for this being classical right bundle. Um, and that's right bundle. What's the final one I wanted to show? Oh yeah, it's trifacicular block. Uh, so trifacicular, well, this is often called trifacicular block and it's the presence of first degree heart block, which you can see here with a PR interval over five small squares. Um, with right bundle branch block, we see in here by a broad and positive QRS complex in, in V1, and left axis deviation, which you can see here is negative two and three, uh, and I searched in AVR saying the axis is probably around two o'clock. So this is left axis deviation, right bundle branch block, and first degree heart block. And the presence of those, so right bundle branch block and left axis deviation indicates that you've blocked your right bundle and your left anterior fascicle. Uh, so that's bifascicular block. The fact that you also have first degree heart block is this means that this is something that's often called trifascicular block, although I do appreciate the true trifascicular block is a block of all three fascicles below the AV node. So the way I would probably describe this is this patient has bifascicular block as evidenced by right bundle branch block and left axis deviation and significant first degree heart block. So first, first degree heart block and bifascicular block, which is sometimes known as trifascicular block uh, and if this patient has significant symptoms, would be an indication for pacing. Uh, you can monitor them with a halter monitor, but 
uh, realistically, tricyclic block, this type of tricyclic blocking symptoms uh, gets you a pacemaker. Um, so yeah, those are just a rundown of some ECGs and uh, when, when you would pace uh, these scenarios. Uh, back to you, Rob. Fantastic, thank you. Um, and yeah, I think that that last point's an interesting one. It's that triversicular block being a bit of a misnomer um, in terms of how it's used in medicine. Um, and I guess the point for the interview being, don't overcomplicate it. And as, as Barak says, just describe the ECG um, and you can't go wrong, um, whatever, whatever happens. So next we'll talk about the acute